Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right, it's Monday morning, so let's dive into God's Word to start the day. Amen? Open up some prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for another day, another week, another opportunity, God, to praise your name. Thank you, God, for your word and the love and the beauty and the truth it holds for your people. I pray right now to open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and ears to hear and to see and to experience more of you and your truth in a new way this morning, God. We need you. And God, we know when your people need you, we cry out to you and you show up. So God, Show up for us exactly how we need you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So here we go. Like we said, we're in First First Thessalonians 5 this morning. Um, I'll be reading out of the New International Version. So this is um, coming from uh, Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. Um, if you go back a little bit, in Acts 17, it kind of gives you a quick glimpse of his time with the people in this uh, in this region. Um, it wasn't good. <laughs> um, it talks about how um, Paul was preaching on three different Sabbaths during his time in Thessalonica. And him and his partner Silas, his ministry partner Silas, uh, were actually chased out of town. And people people came looking for them. Um, I thought of you, Pastor Jason. Uh, Acts 17 talks about they went to Jason's house looking for Paul and Silas trying to chase them out. So uh, shout out to Pastor Jason. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this this wasn't a good time for Paul. You know, and yet, in the midst of all he was going through, a persecution, uh, people trying to stop his ministry, of all the, as we say now, the haters hating on him, right? He's still out there spreading God's truth and reaching out to his people, God's people. So that's where this letter kind of comes in, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, new, new International Version, it's entitled, The Day of the Lord. Verse 1. <clears throat> Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The next next portion is entitled Final Instructions. 
verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the, the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's holy people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. To God's word. All right. We just had a lot to dig into. Um, it's kind of fun. I feel like this, this month, going through the Christmas season and Advent, kind of popcorning through different parts of scripture. You know, just seeing how how, whether you're reading Old Testament, New Testament, wherever you're at in, in the scriptures, it all really ties together, right? Speaking about the coming of Jesus, you know? Um, and so, so this morning, we're reading about the day of the Lord, the end coming of Jesus, right? Uh, it's back to the beginning, verses one through three. It talks about, um, about dates, about times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Unexpected, right? No one, thieves don't come to your house and say, hey, by the way, are you going to be home here at this time, at this place? Great, because I'm going to um, come and rob you. And how that works, right? So just how, you know, God's comparing how that, that suddenness of a thief with an intentionality of a thief, right? What's going to happen in the end times? And that's, you know, we talk about the end times like it's, you know, it's it's a certain day, certain time, like that's it. Um, but the actually idea behind the phrase, the day of the Lord, is that the comparison of, you know, we think of a man's time, human time frames versus God's time frame, right? Um, and many, many commentators, many scholars believe that the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, isn't just a, a single day. Like, he's not going to come back on a Tuesday and that's it, right? Um, many scholars believe that it's actually talking about a season, you know, a season where God's going to rapidly advance his agenda and really push through um, to see his his kingdom built and his kingdom return and be reestablished here on earth. Um, it talks about how, you know, it's a time in the Old Testament, which we, Old Testament and New Testament now, we're actually going to see where God's going to intervene and save his people. And we're seeing right now, we all what's going on in the world, you know, how there's persecution, how in a, height, a heightened way, Christians especially being persecuted for our faith. And we're blessed. Like we, I think we take for granted, myself included, take for granted what that looks like here in America to have freedom of religion, to be able to gather on a Sunday in safety, like that in, in public, even have people off the street come and worship with us. You know, we've had in the past medical, medical, um, first responders. We've had police officers and we've had different people come and worship with us because they're here to, to serve and be served, not to come and, and arrest people, right? 
that some other countries face. And so it's really powerful. You know, we think about, you know, we might not realize how much God needs to save us. We need saving too, you know, but especially in this time, you know, he's going to come back and judge his people, judge his enemies, especially and his people's enemies and reestablish his kingdom here on earth in a place where we need it so most, so much, right? And that's why you know, we keep talking about in verse three, Paul says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Because if people are seeing with worldly eyes and motives, right? Oh, peace and safety. Oh, this political party's in, in power now. We have peace again. Oh, there's safety because, you know, this economic plan, we have financial security. Oh, this political plan, this this international, you know, plan, like we have safety again, we have peace again. That only lasts for so long. You know, human peace, human safety is temporary. But we as Christians, we know our true peace, our true safety, our true security comes from Jesus. And so we have the eternal eyes to be able to see true peace and see true safety in him. That's what keeps us safe from destruction. Not just temporal, like earthly destruction, but eternal destruction, right? He goes on to say, um, he speaks in of labor pains on a pregnant woman. And if you've been pregnant, you know how that feels. You know, you know how it's it's um, it's very sudden. You're expecting it. You know it's coming. You know any day now, any day now. You know for days or even weeks on end, right? Any day now, any day now. Um, and yet it's still unexpected when it happens. Those first, you know, and it starts gradually, right? It's not not right away. It's it's gradual, like that little dull, that like that cramping, right? And eventually it gets it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You know. And so the same, um, the same method, the same um, motivation, right, is behind Paul's description of this, how it's inevitable and unexpected and intentional, right? Increasing in strength, increasing in, in um, the time constraints, right? You know, they have the dads always checking to see how long between contractions and everything to go to the hospital. That's what, that's what the end times are going to be like. It's going to get closer and closer and stronger and stronger as you see the day approaching of Jesus' ultimate return. You know, and that's why we need to have that preparedness, you know, um, for that, that new birth, that new age, that new, um, that from death to life, right? Because And birth is all about life. And so we take that new life as people come, when Jesus comes back, right? Having that, that, that moment of, of rejoicing, right? At the end of, of giving birth, that rejoicing, that joy, that, that, that closure, right? That, that peace of knowing your child is here that joy and peace and knowing Jesus is back for us, you know? And so if you're not prepared, you know, if the world's not prepared, if you don't have your maternity bag packed and your, your husband's out getting coffee somewhere and you're not prepared for, for your, your birth, it's going to be scary. You know, if the world is, is sober, is not sober minded, the world is distracted, they're unprepared, they haven't, you know, they're off doing something else. It's going to be a scary time. We as Christians, we have that inner, that inner insight, right? To know what the end times will be like if you're prepared, if you're ready, if you're seeking him, he's coming back to seek us. And so you can have peace in knowing that, hey, look, the world's going crazy. Hey, everything's going awry around us, right? And yet we can have that same peace and knowing what is going to happen and where we're going to be through it. And that's with him. Amen. That's what he goes, Paul goes on to speak about in verse, um, verse four. But you, brothers and sisters, fellow fusionites, fellow soapers this morning, 
You are not in darkness, so that the state should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let's not be like others who are asleep, but let's be awake and sober. Church, we need to know where and when and to whom we belong. Amen? And see what Jesus was talking about back in Matthew 16. Back in Matthew 16, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says to the Pharisees, You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. So even he's speaking then and people now to that wicked, adulterous generation. You know, everyone's looking for signs saying, oh, there's there's signs in the sky, there's signs in crystals, there's signs in this this prophet or that leader or that political party, whatever, you know, trying to say, trying to say, oh, when this thing happens, this is the sign of the times. This is the, the mark of the beast. This is this and that, right? But no one knows that. And so for us, even to, to be Christians, we're trying to, guess or trying to assume or trying to you know make something come out of the sky for ourselves it's waste of our time right how much better of that time we're trying to find signs and things to try and help ourselves it would be better spent trying to help others trying to bring others closer to him trying to be an example and living out our faith you know because uh charles spurgeon actually has a great illustration um he speaks about uh, a passenger ship under a storm and it's rocking and it's shaking and it's it's getting knocked around by the waves around it. And it's about to crash in the rocks. And it's about to bring near death to all those on board the ship. All the while, the captain who can direct the way of the ship is asleep. And he says that's the same way Christians are. If Christians see the world around us and people around us who are hurting, who are broken, who are getting tossed around by the world, and that we are the ones who are asleep. If we're asleep to what's going on around us, we're asleep to helping people, we're asleep to, you know, being able to save people and evangelize and, and share the hope and the love and the truth of Jesus. We're like that, that selfish captain on the slit on the sheet, on the that selfish captain on the ship who's asleep, right? And that's that's that breaks God's heart. He wants to see his people come back to him. But it's up to us to take that first step in working with him and partnering with him. To reach those far from Jesus. That's why we at Fusion are doing that. You know, our mission to reach those far from Jesus, equip Christ followers, go to all the nations. Like, that's why we do this, right? Because we don't want to be those Christians who are asleep. You know, let's not be like others who are asleep. Let's be awake and sober. Let's be ready. Let's be loving and serving and spreading the gospel of Jesus. Amen. And how do we do that? Just like we speak about um, in Ephesians, right? having the armor on to fight the battles. Paul speaks about that again here. You know, he speaks about that. <clears throat> uh, where, where'd it go? In, in verse eight, right? In verse eight, he speaks about putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You know, having that breastplate to cover your organs, right? To cover your heart, cover your lungs, keep your heart and your, your breath pure and protected to proclaim his his glory amen you know and no one's you're going to go into battle without but having that that armor on that breastplate on right so we can't go into battles whether they're physical or they're spiritual you know to try and be heroes and rescue people to fight for god's god's kingdom we can't do that without the armor being on us so having that breastplate 
of faith and love. You know, that's what needs to protect us, right? Having our own faith, our own love in check from him to go and, and rescue others. And then that salvation as a helmet, that is so crucial because that keeps us focused, right? Keeps our mind and our, our ears and our eyes, what we're receiving in. It's a, f- a filter for them to go through, right? Again, having that that hope around us is essential. You know, it keeps us confident. It keeps us, you know, protected. It keeps us on mission. Because we know the helmet we have. We know the hope of salvation we have. We've been given. And so others who don't have that same vision, who don't have that same protection over their minds, or even the love and the faith of Jesus in their hearts to protect their like the breastplate, to protect them, they're in danger. It's just up to us to be those kind of Christians who are the ones who are going into battle fearlessly, courageously, and going and saying, hey, we want to save other people too. We know the truth. You know, God's fought, fought our battles. We've come out on top. You know, we've all had victories in our lives. We need to have Jesus fight for us. Amen. Or maybe just me this morning, but I, you know, I've seen God do so many victories in my own life. And I see people who are struggling in the same ways I'm struggling, or I have struggled in the past. And that's why we need to say, hey, God, how can I be of service to fight someone else's battles for them? If they can't put the armor on for themselves yet, God, help me put the armor on myself so I can go fight for somebody else, right? I think it's so powerful, too. In verse 10, he speaks about whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. I think I think that's you know, both a physical sense, right? That 24-7, whether you're awake or asleep, 24-7. We may live together with him. But we also know it's also an eternal awakeness or eternal asleep, right? Whether we're here on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, whether we're awake in earthly sense or asleep in death, waiting for that, that salvation, right? We get to live together with him on both sides of eternity. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And nothing can separate us from his love. Amen. And so we know that we can we can live with confidence. No matter where we are, no matter if we're awake or asleep, we're living together with him. And that's what's so, so powerful. Um, great. One of the great commentators uh, had this, this quote, his death was death. Like when Jesus died, he died and had eternal, he, he went to hell for three days. He was separated from God. He experienced what true death was in order to claim victory for us. And so his death was death. So ours, as children of God, only have to be sleep. Imagine that. Because of his death, we we only have sleep. We could actually have the opportunity to come back and and have that connection with him in heaven. You know? Again, something that we, if we lose sight of that, we lose lose sight of that. We lose that, that focus, unfortunately. We take it for granted, you know? We forget what the cost was for us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, I, again, speaking for myself here this morning, you know, it's so easy to lose that focus in the sight of, like we talked about, everything going on in the world, right? We're looking for peace, looking for protection, looking for safety. And again, those aren't necessarily, not necessarily bad things, right? When the world tries to sell us something that Jesus already gave to us, we can it's not fair. It's not fair to, to, to Jesus' sacrifice. We're trying to seek other things from what he already gave us, right? So his death was death. So ours only have to be sleep. 
Let's, let's be awake this morning, church. Let's be awake to the sleep. <laughs> be awake to the fact that we have to have that, that posture and that heart about us to want to be serving others and to walk out our faith and live it out courageously. Amen. And the best way to do that in verse 11, what does he say? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. And it's the best way to build a church up, the capital C church, is build each other up because we are the church, right? Like like Pastor Brandon loves to say, it's not about building buildings, but building people. The church, the capital C church. So we're here to do. We build each other up. We strengthen each other. We come together as God's people. That's how we build each other up and encourage. And we see lives being changed, right? Eternity is being changed even. Goes on uh, in verse 12, talking about how to do life together in the body of Christ, right? <clears throat> Acknowledging those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them to the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each, with each other. And warning those who are idle and disruptive, encouraging, encouraging the disheartened, helping the weak, being patient with others. Always we get to be living out our faith and living out the love and the hope and the truth of Jesus, right? <clears throat> you know, having those high expectations for our leaders, you know, again, not in a bad way to tear people down, but in a way that we know our leaders are called by God and given authority by God. And so the way, best way we can honor God is by honoring them, right? And so having those high expectations and holding each other accountable it's to have love, have honor, have respect. Same way, you know, we want God to be honoring of us and giving us good leaders. We need to honor our leaders and being, and being, you know, keeping them, you know, in prayer. You know, setting high expectations for them and acknowledging them with their hard work, you know. Because again, speaking, I, I'm almost speaking from my own experience. This is hard stuff. <laughs> like, you know, ministry is a hard kind of work. And yeah, and there's so many higher layers above me, even. You know, I can't imagine, you know, the like what Pastor Jason goes through as, as a location pastor, you know, and Nick with all I guess experience stuff. And Pastor Brendan, Pastor Danielle, like that's it's so incredible. Pastor Sean, you know, with all the, the youth and family ministries, and Pastor Harry with, you know, youth and young adults. Like there's so many incredible people we get to do life with and ministry with here, and that lead us so, so well. Like we're so blessed. And yet the things that we that they struggle with, that I struggle with, are things people don't always see on Sunday mornings, you know? Be honest. The same way you all don't, you know, you know what you struggle with that people don't see during your work day or your family life, whatever it is, you know? And so Paul's telling us here to acknowledge those who are working to shepherd us, to lead us well in the church, you know? And and loving them and honoring them well. Because <clears throat> at the end of the day, we're blessed. We are so, so blessed here at Fusion to have so many leaders that really, truly care about people and really, truly love and want to shepherd God's people well. So it's not always the case. And that's an unfortunate reality, right? It's not always the case. And so when you do find those leaders that you can connect with, that, that love you and honor you, I want to even admonish you, like it says, right? Admonish you and to to help encourage and try and warn and be patient and help other people. Those are the kind of leaders we need more of in the church. And we need to honor them and, and praise them and say thankful, how thankful we are for them. Amen. 
And then verse 14, it's so cool though. At the same time, as we're honoring our leaders who build up the church and we're grateful for them. At the same time, verse 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, fellow fusionites, to warn those who are idle, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient. All those are ways that people, not just pastors, but you, brothers and sisters, the church, the capital C church, are called to minister to people. Amen. Being patient with everyone, you know, helping the weak, encouragement, all fruits and gifts of the spirit, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon pastors and leaders, but upon all of us as Christ followers, right? And so he actually gives us the strength and the ability and really the commission in this case, in this, this portion of scripture, the commission to be the church, brothers and sisters who are going and serving and loving people, you know, not just waiting for the pastors to do it. Like, it's great. Praise God when they do, you know, but it's only one pastor, Brendan, you know, there's a thousand of us on a Sunday. Like he says, you are the best pastor of where you are, best pastor at your workplace, best pastor at your school, best pastor, you know, in the Wawa parking lot, letting someone, you know, take that parking spot or open the door for somebody, you know, the best pastor in this, you know, crazy Christmas season at Walmart, not cutting in front of people in line, you know, giving a smile to the cashier, whatever it is, right? You are the best pastor for where you are. And we have that commission to be part of building people up and seeing the capital C church built up, right? <clears throat> and continue on then, uh, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this is a really hard, it's only three, three little things, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Three simple sentences, not even full sentences, but they're still so, so difficult at times, right? Maybe it's just me, but I, they're really difficult for me sometimes then, you know? Rejoicing always, giving thanks, that's hard. It's not always easy. And, and Paul didn't say it was easy either. He would know. He literally went through hell and back with being shipwrecked, with being imprisoned, with being beaten and persecuted, right? And yet he can still say here, rejoice always, give thanks to all circumstances, and not be a hypocrite. Why? Because he knew his rejoicing, his thanks, was in God, not in his circumstances. When you're going through hell, you're going through a challenge, you're going through whatever it is in, in your workplace, in your family life, in your relationship, we can still rejoice and give thanks because we know no matter what we're facing, God's over it. God's hands are over it. He's got plans. He's got a way out for you. He knows how work, whatever you're going through, he can work all these things for good for those who love him. And for those who love him, is rejoicing, giving thanks to him, right? And pray continually, you know? And because we say pray continually, if you go from a more traditional um, church background, you know, it's hands folded, head bowed, eyes closed, on your knees. Like it's very, very um, traditional, very uh, professional approach, right? Very, um, not scripted, but like co-signed of how you're going to do this, right? Um, Paul's reminding us we can pray continually because anything can be prayer to God, right? Any kind of communication because prayer, just communication with God. So whether that's with your voice out loud, whether it's in your mind or in your heart quietly, whether it's your hands are open, hands are closed, your hands are driving a steering wheel, 
of your car, you can be praying, you know? And the, the, the reality is that your voice, your posture, your place, your time, none of these things are particular. None of these things are specifically, oh, you can only pray this way or this time or this, you know, this method. God just wants your prayer. He just wants you to commu- communicate with him because he loves you. And he wants to communicate back to you. It's an ongoing conversation, right? When you're really pouring out to God, you know, it's like talking to a friend. And when you, when you talk to your friend, you're texting. How do you talk to your friends? Do you text them? Do you do a phone call? Do you meet them face-to-face? Do you have dinner with them? Have coffee with them? There's so many ways to meet with your friends and, and communicate with your friends, right? That's how Jesus wants to communicate with you. He wants to meet you like a friend. So whether you're driving in your car, whether you're washing your dishes, whether you're prepping a meal, whether you're sitting in your in your work cubicle, stressing about something, right? Meet Jesus like a friend today, wherever he's calling you, wherever he's, he has you today. And be an example for others, you know? <clears throat> Continuing on, verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. It talks about prophecy and rejecting what's evil, holding on to what's good, right? And not just prophecy, but other gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know? Do not quench the spirit. Again, that quenching is that that uh, metaphor, that kind of visual of the Holy Spirit, like a fire, right? Like a Pentecost. And so we can quench the spirit even accidentally, you know, by doubt, by indifference, by rejection, by distraction, by getting so focused on, you know, um, where or who or why or how of of a moment or of a circumstance or of a, a, a spiritual gifting even, right? But the reality is, you know, through the Holy Spirit living within us, there's gifts he wants us to use. There's gifts we've been given, you know? And so the best thing we can do is, is, again, pray and ask, Holy Spirit, how can I keep this fire going? How can I use these gifts you've given me to serve and to love and to build up your church and serve others well? You know, not quenching the Spirit, not letting those things come in to quench our own selves, you know? And letting the, the the doubts or the insecurities or um, even church hurt, you know, coming in to really quench where the truly, truly the spirit is working in our lives or in others' lives, right? So we, we, we recognize these, these spiritual giftings in our lives and we use them well according to scriptural guidelines. That's how we really can see the church getting built up, starting with us, you know? Again, if you haven't had a chance to yet, um, fusionchurch.cc slash assessments. One of those assessments we we talked about back in uh back last winter was a spiritual giftings assessment and seeing where where you feel like the spiritual giftings are in your life. Again, check it out, use it, try and you know see what kind of giftings you have. So you don't quench the spirit even accidentally by not knowing, right? By getting distracted, you're getting you know, um, just not not knowing, right? You don't know what you don't know sometimes, and so the best way to really to bring that fire out and to to stoke that flame. The Holy Spirit is to build build yourself up by learning those gifts about yourself, and see how you can use those gifts to edify and build the church up for others. Closing out here, verse twenty three: May the God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. So, circling back all the way to at the beginning again, back to that. That verse one, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
you know? And the idea behind this, the sanctifying, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, means to set apart. So may the God of peace set you apart through and through to make something new or different or distinct, right? It's no longer the old associations, no longer being um, associated with the world or with your past sins or with anything else, right? But Paul's saying, may God himself set you apart, break you off as a new thing for glorious, special purpose to him for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like we said, it's not just a single day. It's not like a random Thursday afternoon. But it's a season, right? That season of labor pains, that season of, of seeing what God's going to be doing to put his kingdom, build his kingdom up here on earth. And that's what we need to be ready for. So God's, so we're praying God set us apart for that season. God help us be ready for that season. Our spirit, our soul, our body, you know, get us ready for what you want to do. And closing out, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I love when Paul ends his messages, his um, his letters this way, right? That reminder to all of us, grace be with you. The unmerited favor, his love, his acceptance. Now what you've been through, what you've done, what you call yourself, his love and grace be with you. Again, coming together and just seeing how there's, there's grace new for us every single day. We're being set apart and giving grace for a purpose. Being set apart and sanctified and giving grace, not to be taken for granted, but to, go again, go back to the middle of this, this passage, right? To give praise and rejoice and give thanks for that grace, for that sanctification process. Even though it's not easy, we know it's worth it because we know what the end coming is going to look like. When you're sanctified, you have grace. You've been sharing that grace with others and building other people up. It all comes back around. It all comes back to the coming of Jesus, right? And whether you're celebrating it now in this Christmas season with the coming of his birth or, you know, next week, next month, next six months from now, right? We're always going to celebrate the coming of Jesus because we know as Christians, we have that hope, that promise of his coming. Amen. All right. So only one application question as we close out today um, is actually going back to verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. I, our goal for this week, and if you're still here listening now, our Advent season, our goal this week in the season to prepare for Jesus' birth, the reason for his birth, that rejoicing, that praying, that giving thanks, you can never do any of them enough, right? There's always more rejoicing, always more praying, always more thanks we can give. So our goal, our challenge, this week is to give more of each, give more rejoicing, give more time in prayer, and give more thanks no matter what you're going through this week, and see what God's going to do to honor and just give you and show you more of that, more reasons to rejoice, more reasons to have gratitude, a deeper connection to Him as we pray more, and see what He has for you in this next season. Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, that we get to. People are building up your church, whether we're leaders, whether we're dream teamers, whether we're still, whether we're leading in our homes, we're leading in our workplace, our schools, our grocery stores. God, you're calling your people to build other people up. God, we thank you. And we take that commission seriously to encourage, to admonish, to warn, to protect. God, help us to, to live 
and share your good news, Jesus, you've called us to. Help us be a people, God, with our breastplate of love and faith and our helmet of salvation ready to go. God, to fight the battles you're calling us to fight. Not just for ourselves, but for our families, our loved ones, our co-workers, our friends. And God, help us to have the grace we need for today. God, show us new ways to share your grace with others. And Lord, let everything we do, everything we say, everything we act upon, God, and we live out by our example, let all point to you, Jesus, and to the hope and the love and the truth of your coming. Not with fear, not with anxiety, or with insecurity, God, but with, with courage, with hope, with expectation, God. Because we know when you come, Jesus, there's peace. God, we need your peace so badly in our lives, in our homes, in our, our nation, in our world. So Jesus, help us to be ready for your coming, to spread your good news, to bring salvation, to show grace and love and mercy. And God, help us rejoice always, no matter what we're going through. Give us new ways and new new experiences from you, Jesus, of thanks and rejoicing. In, Jesus, in your name we pray and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Have a great rest of your week, church. Again, rejoice, pray, give thanks this week. We'll see you soon. God bless.